Hello everyone, I hope you're having a good morning as we continue our series, Earthlings, Rediscovering Our Sacred Connection to the Ground. This morning, I want to welcome friend J.C. Arce to our Evergreen Virtual Pulpit. J.C. is a co-worker of my wife Farah at Fuller Seminary in the Academic Advising Department, and he's also a, a local youth pastor and somebody that I personally go to for tips about composting and gardening. He's given me some great and interesting pointers about how to make my garden a little bit better. But more than that, I found J.C. to be deeply thoughtful about the intersection between faith, justice, and the earth that we live on. I know God is going to bless all of us through his words to us this morning. Enjoy. Hello, Evergreen Church. I am Giancarlos Arce Cabrera, but most people here in the United States know me by my initials, JC. Some of you might know a thing or two about adopting or receiving an American-friendly name. I am the son of an immigrant Cuban mother and a Puerto Rican father. And while I consider myself Puerto Rican, at this point, I've lived over half my life off the island. I fit the mold of what some call third culture kid. Currently, I serve and attend uh, Iglesia del Pacto. It's a Spanish-speaking congregation in Eagle Rock, and I'm the youth pastor there. In some ways, I feel like I know your community a little bit because over the years, as far as coworker and Fuller's kind of wider connections, I've heard wonderful things about all of you. And so I'm super honored uh, that Pastor Jason invited me to speak to you today. My hope is that we might all grow a greater love and appreciation for God's creation and take steps in participating in God's ongoing redemptive work. I should clarify that I'm by no means an expert gardener or composter, not sure if that's an actual word, but over the past three years, I've spent and invested a significant amount of time in working the land, getting my hands dirty. And in the process, I've thought a lot about our connection to the earth and land especially as a person who claims Jesus Christ as Lord. My journey uh, to reconnecting and reimagining my relationship with the land and its creatures begins here in Pasadena. A little over three years ago, I was privileged with the opportunity to rent this parsonage uh, from a local church, which sits on the land of indigenous, the indigenous Tongva people. And when I got here, the backyard was a blank slate. It was barren, sun-baked dirt that when it rained turned into mud, which isn't that often in uh, SoCal, but is not fun to walk in. But beyond the aesthetics, which is probably what first motivated me to start working in the yard, is the unspoken story of the dirt, the ground. When you start spending significant time outdoors and observe the plants, insects, animals, or the lack of them, when you observe the non-human life, you start noticing new things. And one of the first things I noticed was that the citrus trees uh, that were on the property were sick and produced small, almost inedible fruits. 
One of the trees actually didn't produce any fruit at all. As I began to research and read more, I learned that the surface level problems that I had identified actually were rooted in the ground, in the dirt. What I observed was partly due to the lack of nutrients in the soil. The dirt in which these trees were planted was nutrient deficient. The roots had little to feed on. Therefore, there was little for me to feed on. Over time, as I pondered how I might help these trees and perhaps grow other things in my backyard, I learned of this magical thing called compost. And if you really want to know how valuable compost is to gardeners, you should know that it's nicknamed black gold. So what is this magical black gold? Well, it's dirt. <laughs> but it's dirt uh, that is nutrient-filled. It's the type of soil that can give and sustain life. So the question might be, where does this soil find its life-giving powers from? Ironically, or not so ironic, compost is the product of decay. Compost in its original state is vegetable scraps, coffee grounds, grass clippings, um, plant trimmings, fruit scraps, manure, eggshells, uh, paper, leaves, and all sorts of different things. But when this waste is mixed together properly and given space and time, it breaks down to produce rich, wonderful, nutrient-filled soil. I think, of, I think some of you can start to see where I'm going with this now, how getting my hands dirty and learning about how different things in nature interact, die, and grow has given me new images and words to understand God and how God is at work amongst us. It's with these images of an empty, barren backyard and compost that I want to invite you to engage scripture. Let us read in Romans chapter eight, verses 18 to 23. Romans eight, verse 18 through 23 says this. I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory about to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the children of God. For the creation was subjected to fertility, not of its own will, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to decay and will obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning in labor pains until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly while we wait for adoption, the redemption of our bodies, the word of the Lord. In this passage, Paul is linking the present sufferings with the future glory. He expresses the not yet of the redemption in light of it's already. As it pertains to our conversation today, I would like to highlight with the help of the commentator Leander Keck, the way in which 
Paul includes the whole creation in the expected transformation. Humans and non-humans are intertwined. The earth, the land, non-human creatures and believers wait. And all of creation groans. The human condition is thus inseparable from that of creation. Understanding this is key if we're going to begin to understand how creation care, our habits and ways of inhabiting this earth are connected to our faith, to God's will. As Christians, we have often given way to a duality that values the spiritual over and above the material. And therefore, the abuse of the planet and its resources can be somehow justified since ultimately what matters is not of this world. Or perhaps we've adopted hierarchical theologies which place humans as rulers of the earth, as those who are to dominate and subdue it, use it for their own needs. I think both of these ways of interpreting uh, scripture and life stand in contrast to what Paul is showing us in this passage. Creation, the earth, and humans are both yearning for liberation. Both are groaning for redemption. Our hope is the same. All of creation is seeking and wanting and desiring God's redemption. I love how Vandana Shiva makes this uh, a similar point when she says this, we are earth. What we do to the soil, we do to ourselves. And it is no accident that the words humus, which is another word for dirt, it means dirt. And it is no accident the words humus and humans have the same root. In other words, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. Our present and our future are interconnected. It's in this inseparability between non-human and human creation that brings me back to the compost pile. Because to me, compost offers this tangible visual picture of Jesus Christ's redemptive power. Jeff Chu says it this way. Compost reminds us that we are still in the process of becoming and God has written redemption into the story of creation itself. Compost reminds us that God has empowered us, lowly worms, to turn what is ugly and festering and dying into what is lovely and beautiful and life-giving. Compost testifies to the fact that we can't do this alone, but we need others because a single worm can't do very much, but in community, they have such tremendous power. Compost testifies that we, have been to that we who have been told by society that we are worthless can act in confidence, can act in the confidence of the knowledge that we are worthy. Compost testifies that God urges those of us who have been shamed 
not to shame, but instead to love. Because in our acts of love, we participate in preparing the soil in which God's reign of love and justice can take root. And so my invitation today is for us to get our hands dirty, to start seeing how God's redemptive love is already at work around us, amongst us. Start composting. You don't need a backyard to compost. You can compost in an apartment. There's all sorts of different methods from the classic tumbler to worms to bokashi. And if you don't want to do it yourself, there's places where you can take your kitchen scraps to compost. I invite you to check out makesoil.org or lacompost.org and you can find a site where you can uh, start doing this. Ultimately, my hope is that as we reflect on the compost pile, we may also reflect on the parts of our lives that you or others might consider wasteful, something to be discarded or disposable, or perhaps even decaying, those labels, scars, and sufferings. Bring your full self and open yourself up to how Jesus might be composting, redeeming those parts of your story. Just like my trees needed nutrient-filled compost to heal, to grow, to produce fruit, we need to open ourselves up to Jesus' healing power so that we can continue to grow, produce good fruit, and experience his liberation. Now, it's also important that we remember that today's passage wasn't merely about the individualistic redemption Christ brings, but how all creation is yearning for liberation and in need of transformation. Therefore, the invitation for us in this not yet space is to participate in God's kingdom work, to bring healing and liberation to all creation, human and non-human. May we compost our kitchen scraps as we work to compost white supremacy, racism, sexism, homophobia, and all that dehumanizes us. Amen.